streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Survivor Brothers, your ultimate unofficial podcast from your friends at TV Guide. I'm your Survivor-obsessed host, Foxman Allen. And joining me today and every day throughout Season uh, 2 of Big Brother... Ah, I did it again. Season 2 of Survivor Brothers, Lance. It's Lance Cartelli. Hello, Lance. Hey, Fox. Way to get the name right. I know. I, you know what? I've been practicing all day long, and I've been getting it wrong all day long, and I, I, I'm, I'm, it's perfect form that I get it wrong once I hit record. Uh, but uh, we've got a, a very special episode today, Lance. This is, a, uh, this is like a bonus episode right here. Um, I, lo- I love bonus episodes. Let's give them the special stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, today is a very special episode, because uh, uh, Lance, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Lance, so join me in welcoming the godfather of Survivor Podcasting, a man who grew a humble Zero Earbuds podcast into a broadcasting empire uh, covering Big Brother, Survivor, Amazing Race, Who Done It More, from Survivor the Amazon, from Survivor All-Stars. Here he is, Rob Sesternino. Hello, Rob. Oh, Fox, thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate it. And don't worry about flubbing the intro because here in Survivor 40, there is Edge of Extinction. You have a second chance. So don't worry if you screw up the first time. Yeah, yeah, it is a uh, it is an edge of extinction season, and I'm I'm really glad to be talking with you. So today is a very special day for you, I understand, uh, because today is the uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the 10th anniversary of Rob has a podcast. Yeah, this is uh, this week is ten years of doing Rob has a podcast. I started uh, the week of Heroes versus Villains, uh, which was the ten year anniversary of Survivor. And so I decided to jump in on a podcast about Survivor. I felt like, boy, should have started this earlier. I feel like, you know, I got in here right at the end of Survivor. Um, Right now, it's the halfway point uh, where I got in on podcasting about Survivor. And we were going for 10 years covering the show. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been quite a uh, 20 years of Survivor, 10 years of RHAP. So big, big anniversaries all around. Uh, so what 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 do you have planned for your big anniversary? Aside, of course, from talking to the Survivor Brothers. Yes. Well, I'm very excited to be uh, <laughs> back on with the Survivor Brothers. I had a lot of fun with you two in person when uh, you had me on to kick off Survivor Island of the Idols. Some say that was the the peak of Survivor 39. <laughs> What's that was? Preseason. <laughs> it was all done. I think everyone there. would say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to celebrate uh, 10 years of Rob has a podcast, we've been doing you know uh, a ton of uh, stuff on the show and in person. I, I just put out a, a podcast where I uh, looked back at 10 years of history of Rob has a podcast in terms of how I got it started. And then we have a big party coming up uh, in Los Angeles on Wednesday night. We are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of Rob has a podcast and then also the season 40 premiere. So we have a whole big uh, red carpet, uh, you know, extravaganza. We have a ton of Survivor alumni coming. I feel like it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like around 30 or 40 uh, Survivor alumni that are going to be there. And then we're going to do the know-it-alls live after the episode. Ooh, that sounds like a uh, that sounds like a hot event. Uh, Lance and I might crash that party 
Because, uh, you know, not unless, not unlike uh, Missy and Baylor, uh, sometimes. Yeah, you know, you'll we'll just show up. up. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Um, Great. It <laughs> sounds, like, uh, sounds like quite the event. Um, and you were talking about that pod. I actually just finished listening to that podcast earlier today. I started it last night. It's quite the marathon. It's like a, it's yeah. almost a four hour long podcast there. Um, but I had to cut it down. I didn't want the <laughs> podcast about the podcast to be the longest podcast ever <laughs> that I've ever done. So I, I started to walk it back. It's like, you know, I trimmed it down to three hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. It's yeah. the Irishman of podcasts. Yes. So. Yes. And, and you yeah, go wrong and, there. We were able to uh, de-age my voice in a lot of the older <laughs> segments. All right. Well, I, I don't think we have uh, three hours and forty minutes here today, so we'll keep it uh, we'll keep it on the short side here. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit more about RHAP uh, because you you mentioned uh, you know in in this podcast about how RHAP is a part of Survivor history, and I feel like in in Survivor forty where we have all these returning contestants. Um, almost all of whom have, have been on your show and, and talked to you at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a, it's a really great time to talk about uh, RHAP. Um, so I'm wondering, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how your podcast and RHAP has kind of influenced the show and the players who are now showing up to play Survivor. Sure, and I really appreciate that, yeah. Fox. And I would say that it's been interesting this last 10 years of Survivor in terms of the evolution both on and off the show because I feel like before Rob has a podcast really started going there were not a lot of like long form interviews with the Survivor players that they they did exit press 15 minutes here 15 minutes there or you know they they you would read an article that somebody had interviewed them but there was very few conversations that you would hear that would be you know an hour and a half or two hours of a survivor where you felt like you really got to know them and so we did a lot of interviews where the players you got to know the players better but also at the same time the, the I think there's been times when the players revealed things that then came back to you know um, maybe maybe help but probably hurt them i mean in uh last season in the uh i'm sorry two seasons ago in the edge of extinction that there was uh david wright and kelly wentworth had gone back out there and uh that kelly wentworth uh had done a podcast with me talking about david Wright's season and she had talked about who she was rooting for david wright went back and listened to old podcasts that kelly wentworth had done and then inferred okay well kelly wentworth wasn't rooting for me I can't work with her. She's not, she doesn't, if she doesn't like me by episode eight of millennials versus gen X, she's never going to like me. So I think there's been a lot of stuff where that either things that sort of uh, like happened on the podcast, I think have like crept their way into the show. Mm. And in, in addition to that, I think that also I like a lot of the conversation that we've had about the, the game has also seeped into the show because in addition to the fans and the players listening, I think a lot of people from the production also are listening to the show, which kind of like holds me accountable that I have to be fair. But I think also when we talk about something critically, I think that maybe that starts conversations and and, and the you know opposite when we ha- really like something. I think that that also you know gives feedback in terms of what they're doing. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the, the uh, Kelly and, and David and that because uh, I have a my, my my next question for you 
Uh, it's kind of almost like an extension of that. Um, you know, we've been reading, uh, you know, everybody's been doing so, so many great uh, interviews with the uh, contestants in the preseason here. And I was just reading Gordon Holmes' interview with uh, Adam Klein the other day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one, obviously one of the winners returning for season 40. Um, and uh, Adam was uh, telling Gordon how he was, you know, how he started prepping basically for the season before he even started playing the first time when he was, you know, giving that preseason interview um, with yeah. Gordon once, you know, he, he was, you know, he brought up, you know, Denise Stapley, that he would love to be uh, her Malcolm. Uh, and it's kind of like setting the groundwork almost for this season here. And I'm wondering, since you've talked with so many of these people and, and interviewed them, and presumably some of them have the possibility that they might be in the show on their mind, um, do you, do you find like you, you get a lot of like survivor PR when you're talking with these, uh, past castaways? You, you know, it is complicated because I think that it's like a double-edged sword where I, I think that there are some times when I'm talking to somebody and they don't want to give up anything. Uh, everybody's great. Everybody, they love everybody. Everything is, is wonderful because that, you know, they're sort of politicking and it's like, well, I don't want to, uh, you know, make anybody mad that's going to be listening to this podcast. Or if I go back, I don't want to have this person be upset with me, which I don't love. Doesn't make for, you know, great podcasting. And then you also have, on the other hand, where there are people who are sort of like on the fence about whether or not they will ever get brought back. And they feel like, hey, I got to keep my name out there. I got to sort of like, uh, you know, make a big splash. And so I need to really go all out when I come on to the podcast. So I, I do think that casting for returning seasons d does really factor into what is the content on the podcast. But I, I read that same at interview that you mentioned that Adam did with Gordon Holmes, and it, it left me a little shook because, uh, and, and, and I know Adam very well, but I'm thinking, boy, like if Adam is saying that I, you know, I, I am friends with Todd and I would always tell Todd that I like Sandra because then I know that Todd is going to say to Sandra, Hey, Adam likes you. I'm just wondering like how many times have I had a conversation with a survivor person where they're using me to potentially plant information that I might relay to somebody else. And uh, like, am, am I being used as sort of like a monkey's paw for anybody? Ooh, it's like you're you're being manip. It's like the Russian Facebook, but of Survivor uh, manipulation <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> so I find that really interesting, and how you said that your podcast have kind of infiltrated the game. Did you have to change your process as a podcaster and interviewer once you started noticing that? I don't think I uh, changed anything. Uh, you know, it, it's more that I've noticed a difference in terms of the the guests, but I don't really know necessarily what what I can do. I, I mean, I sort I don't want to put people into you know a bad spot where you know I they come on and then it's adversarial and then I make them like divulge things that they did not want to divulge and ends up having like negative consequences. Nobody would ever talk to me ever again. I don't think. But what I do feel like is that I give people. Uh, you know, a platform where they can show a side of themselves that they, you know, not only can entertain the listeners, but then also, you know, uh, have a positive image, uh, you know, in the eyes of anybody that might be listening. So um, I have been, uh, I've been listening to RJP, like I said, for you know, at least five years now, going back to uh, season 29 is the earliest one I can remember for sure listening, uh, San Juan del Sur. Um, but I, 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 having listened for so long, I know that so many people, 
that are returning for season 40 are, are kind of like RHAP mainstays, yeah. right? Like you've got Tyson Apostle who does your uh, news, news AF. He, he's on all the time. Um, uh, I know Sophie Clark, uh, people love, uh, people love her. I love her. Uh, love hearing her talk about strategy. Uh, I know, uh, Jeremy Collins was there hunt in the hunt for Mr. Survivor. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the list, the list kind of goes on. So since you have like these increasingly deep relationships with all these people, does that make it hard for you to root for someone here in Survivor 40? It's like, it's like, are, are you the survivor dad watching all your kids like play? Or? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, what's, what's What's hard for me is the that the people that I have you know good relationships with I, I want them all to work together and get along and so it's frustrating when you watch the show and it's like okay I like this person I like this person like wait what why wait, why aren't you guys getting along that isn't isn't hey you're both friends with me that's not enough common ground for you guys to to get along with each other we can work this out so uh, I do it, it is uh, difficult to watch and it does tend me to for me to sort of you know. Uh, root against people that I don't know as well. But again, you know, I, I do try as much as I can to be fair about it also. If somebody that I don't know is playing a great game, you know, I have to, you know, also like call it like I see it. There you go. There you go. That's that's kind of like how if you have like multiple fantasy football teams and you start yes. rooting for and against the same player. It's oh, terrible. it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. Uh, it's, you know, it's re- it's really, really tough. Or then you start to say like, OK, well, I just like hope that this person just can just do nothing. And then I'll, I'll take that if they if my person doesn't score, uh, then well, I, I don't want to get down the, the wormhole. But, uh, I, I, I feel you, Lance, on that. <laughs> Okay, um, you are seen. <laughs> thank you for thank you for noticing that. Uh, yes. What uh, what's been your favorite moment of these ten years of podcasting? If you could boil it down to one moment or maybe a couple moments, what really stands out to you? Uh, uh, that's uh, re- really tough. Uh, frankly, a lot of it ends up blending together. Like I could listen to a lot of old shows and then be like, I have no idea what exactly is, is coming. Um, we won a really big podcasting award at at, at one point uh, in back in uh, 2015, where we were up against the first season of Serial, and that was really exciting because it was something that the listeners had to vote for every day, and it just was how how much people are excited about the the show that they remember to vote every day. But it's really just the nonsense is probably you know just the stuff where you know I I can't breathe because I'm laughing so hard. That that's the the favorite stuff that that i get to do yeah uh, a lot of a lot of really great moments um and and plenty of them are in that uh three three hour uh 40 minute long uh, podcast i listen to um big 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 fan of your uh big fan of your big brother 19 backyard work i think i've told yes. you that before yeah well I, I got to talk to raven in the backyard of uh big brother 19 and, and i do believe that you know since i have been on survivor i think the piece of media that has been consumed more than anything else i've ever made or created was my interview with raven from uh the big brother backyard and and raven Bless her heart. Uh, she seems like a really nice person, but she seemed like that she had a, a lot, a lot of things that she was talking about in the house that just seemed like a little bit of disconnected with reality and how much uh, she was controlling the game and how much of uh, Paul was, uh, you know, not necessarily calling the shots, but also that Paul was like the she would follow Paul uh, to the ends of the earth. 
And uh, I had asked her a fan question of what what was your favorite flavor of Kool-Aid that Paul made in the house? And she took it very seriously and started talking about uh, that. Uh, oh, cherry Kool-Aid. Paul is the best. He's the best. He's the best cook. And um, it, I, I also like have heard that Paul never also made Kool-Aid in the house. So it's really, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where she was going with that. Yeah, that is uh, that is some of uh, that's like a, a masterpiece of podcasting. Lance and I, Thank on you. our best day, hope to be just a tenth as good as you are in those backyard interviews. Yes. yes. Um, all right, but uh, but enough about Big Brother. I want to talk more about Survivor. Survivor Forty, Winners at War, our huge season, um, and, and hopefully you can stick around for one more moment, Rob, because we're going to talk about that with you right after this. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Okay, uh, we are we are back here. It is uh, Lance and Fox and Rob Sesterneo. Uh So so thrilled again to have you uh, to have you here. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about Survivor here. Uh, now, obviously, as I said in the opening here, Rob, uh, you're on Survivor the Amazon and then Survivor All Stars. Uh, kind of For a minute, the, yeah, yeah, the early days of uh, of Survivor. Um, and you know, when when Survivor when the show casts all new contestants uh, the castaways don't usually get to meet each other till they're there on the beach right but the all returning player seasons like all stars or like season 40 everyone kind of knows each other right there's like a little bit like kind of knows each other in real life uh, now as someone who's actually played on one of those seasons uh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious if you can kind of like clue Lance and me and our listeners in a little bit about what that like preseason is like because like the game starts before the game right yeah now, are you talking about the Ponderosa or before you leave to go fly out the Survivor? I mean, before you even fly out Survivor. Okay. So that I have a little bit of experience with this, but not a ton because I have not played a season since sort of the dawn of social media. But at the time that we played in Survivor All-Stars, I feel like that there was a lot of people like uh, – I don't feel like that people call you up. And be like, uh, like, hey, Lance, uh, what do you think? An alliance or no? What do you you, you want to do something? You want to work together? But people will start like uh, sending you messages. If, if it's your birthday, you're going to start getting, you know, birthday texts and phone calls from people that any other year would not be uh, that interested in your birthday. Hey, how's the family doing? How's everybody doing? So I, I feel like that people don't necessarily work out plans and and maybe like the the people who are the tightest like there is a complete circle of trust between uh, you know two or three people maybe that does happen mm-hmm. but uh, i think that for the most part it ends up that people are overly friendly to you and it's a double sword because i think that it's also like kind of transparent where people are like oh i can't trust this person it's a happy birthday really really <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Uh, how are the kids doing? Like, pff, are you kidding? So it, it's it's very tough to uh, figure out the, the right way to play it. What I say, what I tell survivors to do, and this has been my opinion for many years, is if the phone rings, answer it. 
but don't be the person who is sending out those messages to people because I think that you come off as potentially playing too hard. You know everybody's working it. And I think that it's a dangerous spot to be in, but you don't want to be where if somebody is calling you and you ne- don't call them back, then they're like, okay, I hate this person. They're out first. They didn't even call me back. All right. So little things could be potentially like a s- uh, snowball into something that is a problem for you in the game. Mm. Now, I, I know that there's, I mean, fast forward now to season 40, and, uh, you know, we, we know that some of these returning contestants have talked to each other, and, well, not everybody knew what the cast would look like going in. You know, if you're going to be cast, I guess, on a winter season, there's only so many people you could be on a season with, uh, yeah. especially if you're splitting it down the middle where you got uh, 10, 10 dudes and 10 women. Um, I, <laughs> so, um, I, I guess, uh, so... Do you think that all, all this all this talk? You, you think it's it's is it all just like about keeping your options open? Like, or, or are these like actual plans that these people are going to making? Like, are they legit? Well, I don't know how many people have legit plans to work together. You know that it depends on the season. Where I talked to Shane Powers right after he didn't get back on Second Chances, and Shane Powers came to my house the night after he didn't get on Second Chances, and he's like. All right, this was the four. It was going to be me, Terry, Wigglesworth, and Varner. And we were going to clip everybody else one after the other. It was done. It was sealed. And then, like, that wasn't a thing. Like, that didn't come together, like, without without Shane. Like, it it really depends. Like, you could talk about it. But I think, like, Brad and Troyzan had, uh, you know, certainly talked a, a great deal before they went out to go play in Game Changers. And they end up both in the final three. So... I do think that you can sort of like say, okay, well, you know, hey, this is a person or this is a thing that nobody's going to expect. And then you are able to have like a good working relationship. But I think it's very hard to sort of like predetermine a larger group of people because you don't know what tribe you're going to be on. You don't know how things are going to switch up and you don't know exactly how the rest of the game is going to unfold. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, so Rob, surely you are aware of the existence of infinite parallel universes, correct? Sure. Yeah. There's I mean, more... we, we did do a choose your own adventure one time. So, yeah, there, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's, uh, there's uh, like a world out there where Lance is a sports broadcaster on an AM radio station in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm sure. And there's gotta be a world where Rob Sesternino wins Survivor of the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this alternate universe, uh, I'm just curious, like, would you have returned for an all-winter season? And just curious, like, how do you think you would have fared against this group of 19 other people? So, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird question to yeah. think about. Like, I don't I don't think about this a lot. Uh, part of me also thinks that, uh, you know, non-zero chance that I could be dead uh, if you gave 24-year-old me a million dollars, you know, did not need that kind of money uh, at that point in time. Uh, I think it w- I would be a very different person if I did not have to uh, work so much over uh, these last uh, so many years. Uh, I But I do also think that had I ended up playing uh, a game that had won in the Amazon, I do think that maybe it would have been probably celebrated because it was, uh, I mean, at least like kind of celebrated, uh, even if I didn't win. So, but I, but I kind of feel like that maybe I would have been back like two or three times already by then. And people would be sick of me. Like I could be like in the JT spot of like, maybe I came back for like, uh, game changers or something and flamed out (laughs) or, 
or whatever. So it, it's fun to think about. And, and I really think that I would be able to like work with the older school players in terms of like, it, it would be, it would be fun to go back and, you know, tr try to work with like the, the players that like I played or, or, you know, around the same time that I did. Cause I think that they looked at me at that point in time, like, Oh, He's too schemy. He's, uh, you know, this guy. I, but, like, look where Survivor is now. Yeah. You were worried about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks, it almost looks quaint, like, when you, when you look back. The, yeah, what like, was I doing? You had a strategy. That's what you did. <laughs> Not a lot <laughs> of people strategy. had one of those back then. Yeah, that's fine. You know, there were, there were people that they said they didn't want me to be in their uh, final four. I was going to go out early. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to go in a different way. Sorry. Sorry about that, everybody. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think it would be it would be fun uh, to you know uh, imagine that scenario. I mean, it would be it would be cool, but it, you know it's such a stacked list with uh, you know the men that there were a lot of you know great players that sure. you know didn't get added to the list. Sure, sure. Um, and do you think there was uh, like a, a snub from any of these winners, or like at a big omission? Like who would you have liked to see that won that we we're not going to see in this upcoming season? Yeah. Well, of course, I would love. To have seen Richard Hatch, I think mm. there's a variety of reasons why uh, that that didn't work out. But Earl is somebody also that I, I feel like that it would have been cool to see Earl come back because that he was, you know, I, I think similar to Yule, like had a like a really dominant game from a uh, time gone by. The Sepia is somebody we mm. talked to recently on the podcast, and that would have been uh, cool to see the Sepia come back. But, you know, everybody's excited to see, you know, some of the old, like Amber and Ethan like that would have been. And, and Tina is an is another yeah. uh, great one. And we're going to talk to her on the podcast this week and very excited to, you know, hear what she has to say about this, because I feel like that uh, they easily could have had Tina out there also. And, and I, I think that the season could have been 24 players. Uh, I know that they wanted to do the Edge of Extinction, but you could have done 24 players because it's basically 22 players with the Edge of Extinction. Right, right. Um, yeah, so you, 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 and you mentioned that, um, you know, talking about uh, Rob and Amber and, and Ethan and these big names, these are all people that you played with. Um, I, I guess you, yeah. you probably played I a little bit. I was on an island with Ethan. Yeah, yeah. well, you, you, you played with Rob and Amber. Um, yeah. Maybe that didn't work out so well for you. But I'm, I'm it worked out great for them, though. Yeah, well, it worked, yeah, it worked out real well. Um, they got they got two million bucks, and they're, they're doing great. They got, a, they're, they got married on CBS. Fantastic, right? Uh, yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you have any, like, uh, as someone who played with these people, maybe more so Rob and Amber, like, do you have any kind of special insight on, on how they might play in season 40? So uh, Rob and Amber is just uh, so interesting, and especially Amber. Like, we get... We all know like what Boston Rob Boston Rob has played a ton. You know, he talked a ton about like his thoughts on the game in, in season thirty-nine. And so like I think everybody, you know, uh even the most basic of Survivor fans, like completely gets like what Boston Rob's game is. But I think that Amber is actually the one that's gonna be a lot more interesting to watch. I mean, Amber played twice uh within a couple of years, and I think she was either twenty-one or twenty-two in the game in Survivor, the Australian Outback. And she was, you know, super young and probably not very, you know, assertive or sure of herself at that point in time. And also like who even knew what the game was at sure. that point in time, it was very much in its infancy. And she was very much like, uh, you know, in the very early stages of her life. And then she came back 
in Survivor All-Stars. And I think she was very underestimated. I could tell you that for a fact that, I mean, she was like a, you know, I, I did not consider her to be, you know, a, a key cog or anybody that, you know, I needed to account for, which was a miscalculation on my part in Survivor of the All-Stars. And she served as like a, a really great sounding board for Rob. And then uh, she was able to, for the most part, you know, that they were a, a great team where, uh, you know, they were able to good cop, bad cop a lot of people. And they made their way all the way to the final two. But you could say if if it wasn't, you know, really Rob driving, it was, you know, a co journey on uh, on their on their part to get there so we've never really seen amber play you know her own game as you know a you know fully realized adult and a mom and we just don't know what that's going to look like and so is she going to sort of like she's watched rob play all these seasons and all these days and it, you know has the the rob game rubbed off on her where she's going to come out and be a little more aggressive or is Amber, as you know, a forty-year-old mom of four, does she play a game that is more traditional that we would expect from you know a you know forty-year-old mom of four who wasn't named uh, Amber Burkich Mariano? Yeah, I'm very excited to see how how Amber does, especially if uh, you know if if uh, Rob disappears early and she's left in the game alone uh, on her own devices, I'm, I'm very curious to see how she, she'd play. And I think we could, uh, very, very interested to see if we wind up with a similar situation where, again, there are a lot of big names out there, so maybe she kind of get underestimated again. Um, so very, very interested to see how that, that works out. But Yeah, and I'm very excited also to see her back. That I think it's cool that Amber got to come back after all this time where, you know, it's just, she was kind of like forgotten, where it's like, okay, Rob and Amber, okay, right, you know, that she, yes, she won, but, you know, Rob ended up really becoming the survivor legend. Sure. And, you know, I, I hope that we get to see something out of Amber this season. And, uh, like, uh, I, I, that would be a, a cool thing to happen in this season if Rob is more of the non factor and Amber ends up having a, a really great game that we maybe didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I would say that of the, uh, the, everyone coming back, obviously is a big name. They're all winners. Right. Um, but I feel like there are a few, you know, in the, in the survivor fan community, especially if you're talking about, you know, your, your super casual, uh, survivor fan, there are a lot of big names out there. Uh, you, your Boston Robs, right. Your, your Sandra, uh, Parvati's back. Uh, they're kind of like the biggest, the biggest fan names, right. Mm -hmm. Um, do any of them have a shot to win? Just so. I, of the three, I think that Parvati has the best shot because okay. she is the person probably with the lowest profile, especially after Rob and Sandra, you know, have both been back more recently. Parvati hasn't played since season 20. Uh, you know, she's been more of like a media figure in the survivor world since then. And she does not have a giant statue of her head as well. So if I had to bet on one of the three, I, I would take Parvati. And then second, I feel like that Rob... While I think that people have to come for him sooner than later, I, I do think that Rob has the best chance to take advantage of the edge of extinction, where mm. I, a scenario where Boston Rob gets voted out and then comes back in Underwood style, wins a challenge or two, makes a fire, gets to the end and says, you know, hey, I'm Boston Rob. OK, vote for me. Hey, you better vote for me. 
I made it all the way back on my sixth time and you couldn't stop me. Uh, I would say that that's the second most likely scenario of that, of, of the unlikely scenarios. And then I think that Sandra has the uh, toughest road to go to get to win number three. Probably, right. From, from two million to four million. It's a big jump. Um, I, I love that your Boston Rob sounds like the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still love you, stuff, baby. <laughs> so we've heard a couple of people you're excited to see play again, especially yeah. Amber. Uh, I want to know which two or more players are you excited to see either interact, work together, go head to head this season? Basically, Tony and anybody. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's uh, super fun. Uh, Tony, I think, is such an interesting character because he came out and you know he was such a you know a, a rock star in his first season, and then he came back. Okay, I'm I'm coming back. I'm like I'm like uh, Grand Tour. I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna do crazy stuff. And then he was like immediately humbled. And I think that Tony is in like an interesting spot to come back. And I think that him with anybody is really, really fun. I feel like that we talked about in the preseason, like Tony and Yule uh, is like the buddy cop uh, <laughs> that we buddy cop duo that we never uh, expected. But that would be really, really fun. And there's just so many great characters uh, that are back out there that these combinations that when, you know, you see pictures of like uh, this person and this person, you have to like pinch yourself as a Survivor fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious to see if the, uh, if the, uh, the, the Tony and Sandra comes at that again, um, like it did last time. I feel like Tony, Tony's got to know that, that he's, uh, he, he's a, he's a big target. Um, but you know, yeah. it's, it, Tony can't not be Tony, right? Like it's that's why we love Tony. <laughs> yeah, I think that Tony can't not be Tony, but I do think in terms of Tony and Sandra, I don't know how Sandra feels about Tony, but I do think that there was a thawing that both of them ended up being pre-jury in Survivor Game Changers. They spent a couple of weeks together after the game. Uh, I did feel like that at least in like Tony's exit press, he was complimentary about Sandra. So while they really were at each other's throats in the game in Survivor Game Changers, that I feel like that sometimes when you know you, both of you are out of the game early and you are at odds, you're like, what are we doing? Well, why do we do this? Like we we couldn't work together and and figure this out. And I'm hoping that. That's going to be the case for those two. Yeah, I'm. I'm also very excited to see uh, uh, Rob and Sandra. Uh, very curious how they interact. Uh, just coming off of a season where they just, I won't say played together, but existed together on that weird uh, condo yeah. that they had going on there. Um, the thing about Rob and Sandra, and the thing that I think that so many of us had wrong in this preseason of like, okay, oh well, Rob and Sandra, that's an alliance. And as Sandra has, you know, talked to me her on the preseason, uh, interview or the, in, in her confessional that we saw on the, the sh five minute preview, uh, Sandra is upset with, uh, Boston Rob, because I guess that Boston Rob did not tell Sandra that he would play in season 40. So I think she is upset with uh, Rob and Amber by proxy that Sandra was, uh, you know, just told point blank by Rob, hey, I'm not playing. I'm not coming back again. And then there he is. So that's why Sandra is so hot coming into the season. And maybe she should be. I, I, I see Boston Rob's considering if, if he's got to vote someone out first, he's got Sandra's name written down. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, there was like you would have thought after season 39. OK, Rob and Sandra completely need each other. Those are the two giant heads. If anybody's going to have each other's back, that it's going to be them. And they're, they're coming into the season with bad blood. And maybe they feel like, hey, 
if both of us are here, then that's going to be an even bigger target. How am I going to get rid of the target if we're both here? Both of the giant heads are here. So maybe they feel like, <laughs> hey, we need to get rid of one or the other. But they seem to work together so well in Heroes versus Villains. Um, it is surprising to see how you know that relationship is uh, not in a good place, seemingly. And who knows? Maybe they, they are throwing people off the scent. But it seems like that it's not a good relationship right now. Just out of curiosity, do we know if those, those giant heads are still there? Did they take so, them down in time? Yeah, so th- th- they, uh, they were mentioned quite a bit in the preseason press. And for whatever reason, that uh, not only were they, they like, it was leaked that Rob and Sandra were part of season 39. Yeah. Then I think the players saw the trailer for season 39 the night or two before they left. Uh, and this season, Rob and Sandra are back as giant heads. Uh, <laughs> and then I think that, like, the islands where they were doing the press were like right across from where Robin Sanders giant heads were. So yeah, it's kind of like if I was Rob, I'd be really upset about this. Yeah, you couldn't hide the head. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's a brand new way to wind up with a target on your back in survivor. Just be the person who has a giant statue. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, I don't, they should have like exploded them uh, like at the end of uh, season thirty-nine. That would have been a lot better. Yeah, just set it like a like a traditional you know Survivor finale episode. You light them on fire. It would have mm-hmm. would have fit perfectly, right? Or mm-hmm. just push it out into the ocean and you know see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything. Yeah, it could have been like on Lost, where there's like the four toed statue of like, uh, boy, what do you think this was? Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. Looks like it could it could have been any. It could have been like a, a bust of a Survivor player. Who knows? Sandra's head could be a new reef, support some new marine life out there. That'd be great. Sure. Uh, really. I'm hoping when this turns into Planet of the Apes, you know, that's what they'll discover instead <laughs> of the statue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's just just Boston Rob's head. <laughs> and they'll know all they needed to know about our, our culture. Um, okay, uh, so, so Rob, um, just a curiosity. You, so you've done an entire series about the evolution of strategy, about uh, Survivor and how the gameplay has evolved in the last 20 years. Um, and you've been since you've been following it so closely yeah. over those last 20 years, I'm just curious, do you have any kind of inkling about where the game's going in the next 20 years uh, from here on out? Like From here what, on out. What are we wow. going to see? Are we going to see more advantages? Like, is everybody going to get an advantage when they start the game? Like, where are we going? Um, How long so, does Probes do this? I don't know. I, so I, I had a chance to, you know, uh, be part of or uh, see a panel last night where Jeff Probst was talking about, uh, you know, uh, his thoughts on the game and where it is. And so, uh, you know, and I also had a uh, an interview with uh, Jeff Probst talking about things. And so uh, what I what I understand from Jeff is that I think that him and and, you know, people in production feel very much like, hey, if we don't keep changing things, people will get bored. And the reason why the show has been a success has been because we have continued to innovate the game. And if it was always the same, then people people wouldn't watch, which I, I respectfully disagree with to some degree. Like, I, I do think that we need to change it. But I think that we're also at the risk of making it so complicated that it is difficult for people to follow at a time when we are more distracted than ever before of we're watching the show, but we're also on our phone and there's maybe, you know, something, something else playing on an iPad. Like, I think that we should keep the game 
a little bit more simple and not have as much bells and whistles going on. And I think that what we are able to see with Survivor is that the casting has improved so much over the years where very rarely do we ever get like model actors anymore who have no idea what the show is everybody that's coming into the show is somebody who is almost universally a fan uh, mostly a very big fan and know the strategy backwards and forwards and i think that like on any given season there's probably like five or six people who have been listening to the podcast and that have even gone back and listened to the audio books and so people out of the gate from jump are ready to you know play hard from the beginning. So I feel like that you don't need as much uh, in terms of the idols and the advantages. I understand why the show does it because they feel the need to really keep tweaking things. But the the casting, I think for the most part, is so good that I I don't think you need. I, I do hope that at some point things come back a, a little bit and I think that we we need to get more focused on the people and the players and I think that one of the reasons why Jeff loves the Edge of Extinction so much from what he says is like we fall in love with these people we don't want to let them go so we work so hard to find this person in casting okay now they're the second boot but now we still get to see them and that's why we want to have the the Edge of Extinction so I, I think that it it's they, they know they have great people but I think that we'd be able to see more of the people for the time that we have them if we spent less time on all of the you know twists and gadgets and things that you want to throw into the game because yes like the predictability is bad but i think that the randomness of it is also not great and i think that the more confusing the story is the less invested people end up being with the show yeah i think that makes i think that makes some sense uh, and you were talking about. I just want to just want to shout you out because in addition to listening to the four hours of podcasting you did, I also got a chance to watch those uh, those interviews that you did, uh, including the one with Jeff uh, talking about Edge of Extinction. And you kind of broke some Edge of Extinction news, huh? Yeah. So I had talked to Jeff, and I, and I really what I would wanted to say was I wanted to give Jeff some ideas about the the Edge of Extinction. And I said like, hey, hey, if you love it, because like, I really feel like that. I think that people are very hard on Jeff, and, and Jeff. You know, his his life is Survivor. He he tries to make the show as good as possible. And yeah, he has got like some wacky ideas that get him excited about doing the show. And, you know, Jeff being excited about the show is probably the best thing the show could be doing in terms of its longevity. If Jeff is checked out and the show is and ends up Jeff walking away, I think that, you know, who knows what the future of the show is. And ends up being so Jeff is, you know, excited about things. And I, and I sort of I, I, I wanted to say to Jeff, I had a, a couple of proposals that I wanted to share with him, but I felt like it wasn't really the, the right time. My, my big proposal that I wanted my, to say to Jeff is like, Jeff, you love the edge of extinction. Here's my proposal to you. Keep the edge of extinction. Do everything you're doing the same. Let that be your playground. All of the twists, everything you want to throw at the edge of extinction, do it. But the winner of the edge of extinction gets a separate cash prize. They get to come back on another season, not into this game. And the whole thing is a show on CBS All Access. Yes. And you get to do everything you want. Survivor fans are like, what? More Survivor? Oh, this is great. Jeff, we love the Edge of Extinction. And nobody is complaining that the game is getting screwed up because the Edge of Extinction winner comes back. But I, I, I thought against it because I said, I don't have that kind of time to pitch a complicated idea uh, to, to Jeff. And so I, I just ended up saying that 
in terms of the PR on the edge of extinction. If you love it so much, wh like why not maybe just end it at the merge or earlier? You know, so it's not where Chris Underwood, who's a great guy, uh, who you know is able to just come back in and then win the game. And it was exciting and it was not predictable, yep. but it was also very random and very. very weird in terms of how we are going to process that. So the, and Jeff said like, okay, look, I get it, I get it. Uh, people don't like the edge of extinction. I like it. Here's why I like it. But we're not like, I hear you. I hear we're not doing it. We're not, we're, I'm not saying that we're never going to do it again, but he did say that we are not doing it again in the near future. We'll see. <laughs> hey. Everybody's, everybody's excited. I, I did get the sense that Jeff is very excited about the fire tokens. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the, the fire tokens, uh, I, I think that we may see like a uh, more built into survivor around the idea of fire tokens. And that I, I also, I think people should give fire tokens a chance. Like, I think they have a, like, I, I know people are sort of like burnt out on twist, but I do think that the fire tokens have, the opportunity to potentially be interesting. And I think that some of the things that people don't like about the twists and the idols, I think that fire tokens actually has a chance to potentially help fix because the way that the, that fire tokens are going to work is that everybody starts the game with a fire token. And then from what I understand, the advantages are, are on the edge of extinction. So if you want the advantage from the edge of extinction, the person on the edge of extinction has to offer it to you in a trade. And I don't know how the game is going to work where if there's going to also be idols hidden in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. But now it seems like that the key skill to getting an idol is to have the best relationships with the players that are on the edge of extinction. So if you're upset about hey, all the idols and advantages are found by the men who are the sort of alpha males who are good at going out and, and, and the same type of people. Ben finds all the idols. Rick Devins finds all the idols. Potentially, the way that this is going to work with the fire tokens and the, and the trading of fire tokens for advantages, I think that it's really going to maybe change up the way that advantages are distributed based on who has social relationships mm. with players that are on the edge of extinction, potentially. And I think that's like the best case scenario of how this ends up going. And I think that there's a chance fire tokens are going to maybe make the game more fair in some way. Yeah, I, I think there, and to speak to that point, I think there's a lot of promise there. Um, like, like you said, um, the, the only thing that concerns me, and I think probably concerns some other people, more, I guess, from like a production show storytelling perspective, it's just, it's one more thing to keep track of. And it's, it's now all of a sudden, it's like survivor accounting, where you're not just keeping track of who has idols, but it's now like everybody's got something and you got to have like a ledger kind of like, Wikipedia is going to love it, I guess. Yeah, um, Wikipedia I, will love it. Um, <laughs> have you ever watched The Genius, Fox? I have, yeah. Yeah, well, on The Genius, they have like the little like uh, name tag yeah. with like the shows, like the number of garnets that are <laughs> that are on them. I don't know how we need to do that on Survivor. I guess we'll just have it on the bottom of the screen always so that we know. But uh, yeah, it will be tricky to keep track of the number of fire tokens. Also, fire tokens, not a great name. No, no, we, per, we, we, we like a uh, Lance loot. I think is what we settled on. Lance loot. We, we like, I like it. Cartel Let's make it a thing. Yeah. Well, we're, it's a thing. It's already a thing. You can, it, uh, it's in motion. The wheels are in motion. Uh, yeah, it is a thing. Cause my mom asked about what it was. So it is a thing. <laughs>
Yeah. If Jeff has his own play money, so do we. So, um, all right. Uh, Lance, do you have anything else for Rob here uh, before we uh, let him go for his anniversary celebrations? You pretty much hit a lot of the questions I was going to ask uh, on this. So I think I'm, I think I got everything I need from Rob. All right. Well, listen, Rob, um, I, like I said, we're going we're gonna to let you go here, uh, but it has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. It's always such a pleasure. Um, I, I cannot believe that you came back. I can't believe that we're still here. It's amazing that you're still here. It's amazing that you're the news story. Like, I, 2020 is weird. And I'm... It is weird. Uh, so so glad to so glad to be here talking to Survivor with you. And I hope you'll come back and talk to us again some point. Uh, keep keep the fun going here. Um, I will come back anytime that you will have me on the show, Fox. So oh, I uh, really I, I I really appreciate the invitation, and uh, you guys are always uh, so much fun to talk to and run into. Oh, man, you're going to regret saying that. Okay, uh, so before we go, uh, Rob, you want to tell, uh, give everybody uh, where we can where we can follow you, the website, the Twitter, all that good stuff. Sure. We're going to have a ton of podcast coverage about Survivor winners at war over at robhasawebsite.com or look for Rob Has a Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to kick things off with a know-it-alls from the big party on Wednesday night. We're going to have a ton of Survivor alumni. And then I will talk with Tina Wesson on Thursday about uh, episode number one, the two-hour premiere of Survivor Winners at War. You go to robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes to subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Oh, fantastic. And how about you, Lance? Where can we follow you? At Casually Ginger. All right. And you can follow me at Fox Van Allen. And while we're giving the podcast promos, let me give a quick shout out to Survivor Brothers, your ultimate unofficial podcast from your friends at TV Guide. Uh, we are on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, at Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find ours. Um, so please uh, give us a follow there. Uh, we as well will be covering, uh, your friends at TV Guide will be covering Survivor 40 from start to finish. Um, and uh, please follow us, uh, listen to us back here every week. We'll be talking with some of uh, some fantastic Survivor guests, though probably none as fantastic as Rob Sesternino, of course. Um, all right. It's a well, low bar. It's a low bar. Come on. <laughs> well, um, all right. Well, thank, again, thank you so much, Rob. Uh, we look forward to listening to you uh, all season long, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow, okay? Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, goodbye, Rob, and uh, goodbye, everybody. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.